Hour number two, Canuck Central in the Kintec studio. Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw. If you missed hour one of the program, you missed a lot of good stuff. Uh, we talked about what exactly the Canucks are up to next in the offseason, what they could still be looking for, how they could accomplish that, and what could bring us back for an emergency podcast. Plus, Harmon Dial joined us uh, on the show, so you can check that interview out as well. His take on what the Canucks have done so far in this offseason as well. But it's our final Canucks Central of the season. So instead of waiting till Friday... We'll do the mailbag here on the finale of the program. Ah, there we go. It's going to be the last time we hear this music for the summer. And by the way, uh, peeling back the curtain, it's my fault. Today is the last day. I mean, Central. It would it should have it would have been yesterday. Tomorrow should have been tomorrow. Should have been. Should have been tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, <Last. W. laughs> but I, I I took the day off ahead of time. I think the listeners are are okay. Yeah, I think they'll be fine. Uh, we didn't. We, we didn't have to delve into like hot takery about Canucks dev camp. So <laughs> we saved it. Whew. It was like empty the notebook yeah. today. That was nice. Empty Although, the notebook day. I'm ready to say that Matthew Barbolini is going to play 600 <laughs> games in the NHL. So <laughs> hot take Thursday. <laughs> uh, speaking of hot takes, we will start with this one. Jabo, after watching 26 seconds of three-on-three action in a, in a development camp scrimmage. Is it clear the Canucks made the wrong decision and should have drafted Zach Benson? Based on the video evidence, yes. Based on the video evidence? Yes. He's the best player to ever play Yes. Hockey. Based on the video evidence, and if you dismiss any context or any critical thought, <laughs> then yes. It's three on three. It's not even a real, like, game state. He's exciting, though, man. What, is he going to be an overtime specialist in the NHL? Like, what are we doing here? Like, listen, Benson is uh, he, he's super tenacious. He's yes. skilled. Uh, yes. He works hard. Yes. He's a puck hound. And you yes. saw you saw all those things on that play. He featured all his attributes on that three-on-three that play. That guy that he stole the puck off looked like a taller version of me on the ice. His listen, head buried in his feet. Couldn't stick handle, couldn't skate. Like I said, we're not going to bring any critical thought or facts into this or any context. <laughs> <laughs> Such as the player he went up against was a forward, but let's not let's 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 not even discuss those things at all. We're talking strictly video evidence. Strictly video evidence. Did you see Volander do that to anybody? Yeah. No, he no, didn't. He did no, it. he didn't. No. I rest my case. Yes. Uh, no, Volander didn't dummy anybody <laughs> yesterday at uh, the Dev Camp scrimmage. All things absurd. He's yes. a bust. No, stop, please. I mean, he might be a bust, but that's not what's going to tell us, though. You know what I mean? Like, anybody can be a bust. Yeah. We're not going to find out on uh, July 6th, five days. What is that? What, a week? <laughs> a week no, since eight, they eight were drafted. Days. Yeah. Eight days since he was drafted. So the, the funny, like, I mean, look, people have their, their corner or they've planted their flag and they're, they're standing on it, whatever. Um, that, that didn't make any sense. What? But they I'm they planted. On the flag. <laughs> how, how, how thick is the flagpole? They they've planted their flag and they're sticking to it. Okay, and, and I get it. You know, you mm-hmm. you think Zach Benson is going to be great, but again, that video is not the thing that should con- is not going like it's not the thing that confirms you were right that Zach Benson should have gone higher in the yes. draft. Okay. No, exactly. Th- it's not that video. It's going to be his actual NHL play whenever that happens. Yes. Next one, Socks <sighs> and Crocs. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> uh, with the loss of Burroughs and Shen as a team, that yeah. was already too easy to push around. Mm-hmm. Is the physicality 
of the team going to be an issue this year? Uh, I mean, fair question. Cole and Susie aren't exactly... No, I, I say Susie. I don't think Susie. I mean, uh, Shen is probably one of the toughest defensemen in the league. Yes. Um, I think Susie had, what, a couple fights last year? Mm-hmm. Shen had, like, what, a handful? Yeah. But he does fight. Like, he's he's had, like, what, a, 10 fights in his NHL career? Like, he's he's tough. He's physical. He's not afraid of fighting. Ian Cole, same thing. Uh, not quite as physical. But, yeah, they don't have quite the same brawn, and I don't think quite the same willingness as Kyle Burroughs. The, the one thing I would say, though, about Kyle Burroughs, like, as as much as he fought, like, how yeah. much of it was an intimidating fighter? He, he wasn't an intimidating fighter. And, look, the Canucks, they, they do need some more toughness on the roster. I can, I can say that pretty comfortably. I think they need guys in general to have a little bit more tenacity and sandpaper to them. Mm-hmm. But I think... That's a general assessment I have of a lot of hockey players in today's game. Everybody would love to have more Matthew Kachucks yeah. in, in the league. But, like, use Boston as an example. They bring back Luch, and cool, it's a nice story. But one of the reasons they wanted to bring back Luch is apparently because they felt they got pushed around a little bit too much in that series against Florida. It's like, guess what? That's great. You never want Lucic on the ice against Matthew Kachuk, though. It doesn't matter what's the thing. <laughs> so it's like I don't I don't get how you think Lucic is going. Is he going to help bring that mentality to the room? Maybe you're making that argument, but like you don't want in any scenario like Ryan Reeves or Milan Lucic to be on the ice against these guys because they're going to get lit up. What in the playoffs? You need. It comes down to your players who are playing every shift that have to bring that physicality. But during the course of an 82 game season. I think it makes sense. Like, I, I, you know, I know Dan's chair is sinking right now, but regardless. That's <laughs> but, been a banner, banner mailbag for you. I know. What's happening? I feel so short. <laughs> Reach feels short. I should tell you a lot. I can barely see his head above the, the, the table right now. I see a hat you can and only eyes. Hope, you can only hope Josh was not recording on I think it is recording, isn't it? Oh, it is. It is. Oh, this is fabulous. This is awful. <laughs> what just happened? This keeps sinking. Um, can you it's see? Like quicksand. Yeah. Can you see over the table yet? <laughs> um, uh, what, what were we talking about? I totally lost my train team of thought. Toughness. Oh yes, team toughness. Yes, team toughness. Yes, they need to be tougher. How um, tough do I look in the chair? <laughs> Not very intimidating. Not very intimidating. We may need an enforcer on this show to protect Reach. Uh, you know what? Like eighty-two game season, right? Yeah. I think there is value in having you know tough players on the team <laughs> and everything. And I do think if this team had its way, Dan, like I mentioned before. In the opening segment, it's not just about adding a, a player up front who can provide some skill and offense in a pinch. I think they have to play center. Yeah, I think if they have their way, they can add. They want to add another rugged forward as well if they can. It's just, you know, you can't overpay for those guys. Uh, it, it needs to be something. Um, you know, I think this is something that they were looking for in the draft process when they talked to guys, right? Like that sort of tenacity and willingness to to battle hard. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes guys just don't have it in their DNA, right? And you need to find guys that can play at a high level in your lineup and bring that at the same time. The Tyler Bertuzzi types of the league. All right, next one comes from... Barbashev. Anyway, sorry. It didn't come from No, it didn't happen. I'm still sad about that. Anyone? Well, he got all the money from uh, uh, Vegas, so... (sighs) Yes. Todd Naslin. Who makes the big club first? DPD or Willander? DPD. 
He's older. Yeah, he's a year older. Uh, he's, he's, his physical maturation's taken a step. I think Willander is going to need two full years in Boston. I think if you want him to be the best version of himself and let yeah. him grow, and he's a guy who's just transitioned to playing defense after a couple of years, in a couple of years here, and he's taken some magnificent strides, obviously, but can learn a lot more. There's no reason to rush any of these guys. Give him two full years there. Yeah. Maybe he comes and spends a year in, in, in the AHL as well. So I'd say we see DPD playing a game in the NHL before we see Willander. I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, Willander, like, he still needs time to fill out physically as well. So, yeah. and, you know, at, at that age, it can happen sort of quick. You kind of saw it in DPD quite a bit, mm -hmm. like year over year. So we'll see where it ends up. But uh, DPD right now ahead of Willander, yes. Next one from Phil. Compare the rosters 18 months into the Benning regime and 18 months into the Alvin regime. How did you feel then? How do you feel now? 18 months. So 18 months. So that was a second season, and they went and signed uh, Louis Erickson, right? 18 months. Yeah, they would have been at the uh, in the end of the 2015 season. Yeah. For so, Jim Benning. Yeah, because it was 15-16. The Canucks made the playoffs. Yeah. And lost in the first round. Then the following year, they signed Louis Erickson. Yeah. In the summer of 2016. Yes. Uh, Actually, no, it was 2014-2015 that made the playoffs. Yeah. 2015-2016. Um, actually, 18 months, and that was Louis Erickson was a year afterwards. Yeah. They kind of took uh, you know, here, Here's the funny thing about that year, actually. Now I remember. You know, a lot's happened. It's been yes. it's almost a decade now. But the Canucks actually didn't do much that offseason afterwards. I think they signed guys like Mark Bat um, uh, Bartkowski, I think they added that year. They added a couple of guys to kind of help them out a little bit. Um, and like Adam Cracknell, sorry, that's who they added. Um, they got signed a guy like Taylor Fadoon, for instance, or whatever. But it was just kind of around the edges. They didn't really do anything significant. Yeah. Um, and they just kind of brought Sven Burchie into a spot. And it kind of looked like they're kind of pushing and not doing a lot. And it seemed like, okay, maybe they're on to this patient approach. It didn't look terrible. They just hadn't done much. Then it kind of felt like you did all your work the previous year when they signed Verbata and they signed Ryan Miller. And they kind of were in that transition phase. And I think there was a lot of question marks about which way they were going. Yeah. But they hadn't yet made the big mistakes. You yeah. know, like you can they, they hadn't gone out and, and made the good Branson trade quite yet and hadn't done those things quite yet. Yeah. And they made the um the one move they would have made by that point, I guess into the twenty fifteen season, they made the Brandon Sutter trade. So when you like eighteen months in, it was it, it's so hard to sort of. Yeah, really it was look. after the, yeah they made it was that off season they made the Sutter trade. Yeah, right? so they they you look at both of the situations, and obviously um, Benning took over a team. Not to make excuses for Benning because there was a lot wrong <laughs> with the the direction they took, but um, you know he took over a team that didn't have any prospects and it was just like let's try to milk as much of the final years of the Sedines that we possibly can yes um whereas you know Patrick Alvin is taking over a team that you know has two franchise pieces already in place now the roster was a mess because of some of the mistakes that the Benning regime had made in those last couple of years especially the mm -hmm. OEL Garland one so there's a lot of cleaning up to do but that's the hardest part about Alvin's job is cleaning up a little bit of that mess. 
but he took over two pieces that you could credibly build around rather than the twilights of Henrik and Daniel Sedin's careers. And there was some, I will say, you're right. I mean, uh, it was they shouldn't have done what they did. Yeah. And the Sutter trade, you're right. I wasn't a huge fan of it. There was some optimism, though, because Jake Vertanen had been drafted the year prior, and there was a lot of excitement excitement about him. The second-round picks, Demko and stuff, were performing well. There was excitement about some of those guys, for instance. And then they drafted Besser, who was having success in his draft plus one year as well. So there was excitement about some of the prospects coming, whereas right now, obviously, they're at a different stage. But I'd say they're better positioned now, significantly better positioned after 18 months compared to then. I think the the real red flags of the Benning era didn't... um fully come until the Louis Erickson signing and the uh, and the Eric Branson trade, yeah. which came the next offseason, the 2016 As much off-season. as I... I'll let you go to the next one in a second. As much as I didn't like the Sutter trade, yeah. the idea of the Sutter trade was we're flipping Bonino, an older player yeah. who's not more than a third-line center. We're going to sell high on a cheap contract and we'll sweeten the pot and go after a guy who's a legitimate second-line center. You yeah. were wrong on the evaluation of the player, but I don't mind the idea of flipping a guy for a younger center that can be a top six. They just didn't get the evaluation right and also like the picks were it was they sent a second there was a late second for an early third yeah so it was sort of a pick swap they just dropped a few spots it was like it wasn't like spots i think yeah it wasn't just a clean second round pick they gave up in the trade either also bo horvat was uh, 20 years old you're right and a lot of enthusiasm about bo horvat uh chester do you think that the canucks can open up a real contention window in the next 12 to 24 months is that in line with fair expectations given their moves? A real contention window? 12 to 24? I think that's their plan. <laughs> uh, okay, so 12 months, no. But the 12 months after these next 12 months, I think yes. Because you only have so much more time left of Demko and Quinn Hughes, mm-hmm. right? So you get through this year, you got three years left of Hughes, two years left of Demko. I mean, if you don't think you're in some kind of contention window at that point, then, you know, the clock's starting to tick on Demko. You're starting to ask some questions, and it's like, okay, we got to get this thing moving here. Yes. So I do think as of next offseason, you know, if things keep projecting well and they still trending in the right direction under Rick Tockett, you're probably looking at a team that, you know, feels they're closer to contending in let's say months 13 to 24 of this window yeah i think so i think 12 to 24 i think once you get through this upcoming year they still they still need at least one more top four defenseman mm-hmm. another impact forward right and we'll see what happens with the third line center position here as well right but can you can you add those three things and you have 12 months to do it yeah. can somebody come up internally can it be a defenseman internally that mm-hmm. next season is going to be able to play in your top four is it a forward that emerges yeah. and becomes an impact forward for you next year? Can you get somebody internally? And that comes down to acquisitions now. Can you add two more via trade? And obviously, you can still make some other things that you have to add. But I would say now, with some of the cap space they have, building up their asset pool a little bit, getting Kuzmenko in, I think there's a pathway to it. Mm-hmm. But they still got to develop somebody. That's going to be the key. Um, it, it really, like, one of the... Why it was so important for them to... M- keep flexibility moving forward yes the cap is going up but the idea of them keeping flexibility going into next offseason when as of right now there's a lot of interesting free agents and it just feels like next year is going to be a year where there's some actual movement around the league and you want to have the ability to participate in some of that movement given there's finally going to be some uh 
there's going to be some room on the salary cap ceiling, which there hasn't been for the last three years. Austin and Langley, would you be okay with the Canucks giving up a prospect or a mid-round pick to move a winger, whether it's Beauvillier, Garland, etc., if that gave them the opportunity to bring in more center or defensive depth, whether that's Dumba, Comtois, Suter, I think low-cost Dumba would be worth the bet for them. So, Beauvillier, absolutely not. Uh, it's an expiring deal. I'm not paying to get out of that one. Garland is another one. I mean, I've been pretty steadfast in saying I don't want to pay out of a contract that I don't believe to be incredibly egregious. You know, Garland's still a pretty credible player in this league. He scores at a pretty good rate. Yeah. Um, it's just the fit is the problem. And the fact that there's so little cap space among contenders in the league that it's so difficult to move that player. If you wait a year, you probably are able to get out of that contract without having to pay to do so. I don't know. I'm getting more and more uh, skeptical about that. Mm. And I wonder just about, like, I think anytime you trade Garland, you got to do something. I think he just gets paid too much on the cap as well. And yeah. plus the money's owed to him. I think you're going to have to take something back on Garland. So I'd be for somewhat sweetening the pot, like a mid-round pick. Sure, I'm not against it. I would not do it for Pavilion. Yeah. I would not do it for Pavilion. is an asset. He's an expiring contract. And... The Canucks have five notable expiring contracts now. And I mean notable with like maybe lowercase notable on, on a couple of these guys. But they go as follows. You have Bavillier. Yep. You have Dakota Joshua, too, yep. who is UFA after this. Your smaller number, but, you know, somebody that could be interesting. Teddy Bluger. Third line center types always have some sort of value for you, right? You have Ian Cole, plus you have uh, Tyler Myers. All five of those guys are expiring and have will have some level of trade value during the season, especially close to deadline, especially if you retain a little bit on those players or yeah. one or two of them potentially, right? Those are assets. Whether they're make weights and making trades, that could be really easy. So if you're trying to make a trade with a team for a high-end player and you have to make the money work, sending a guy like Bavillier is easy to send out. Mm -hmm. And for the acquiring team, easy contract to digest. So they're easy make weights and they allow you to use your might cash-wise potentially. So I think you don't want to punt on those assets Bavilia fits into that unless you get something out of it. And I would not attach any picks to those guys. Yeah. Especially, I mean, you know, half those guys you don't trade anyways, but nonetheless. Expiring deals, you, you don't do that. And I think with Besser, too, who is two years away from expiry, you know, you're, you're still, as of right now, they've sort of made their bet that they're going to keep trying to get Besser back to his best before paying something to move out of that deal. Yeah. Next one from Alonzo was drafting Aiden Celebrini. A, a really nice thing to do for a longtime Canuck employee. B, a strategic move to influence the future Lindros move by his brother. C, let the scouts play in the last round of the draft. D, geography, or E, all of the above. <laughs> I, honestly, I think the easy answer is all of the above. And I don't think, obviously, they're having any expectations of Macklin Celebrini pulling a Lindros or anything. Yes. But I think, I, I think honestly, in watching him yesterday, like you see something there. And it's just development camp stuff. I think... He makes sense for a local guy, and it's never a bad thing to get the brother of a high-end players into your organization. I uh, got to see quite a bit of him yesterday, and uh, had some shifts with Relander. Yep, he, you know, another right shot D to add into the organization. Not a bad thing, but yeah. Uh, again, the only way the Canucks end up with Macklin Celebrity is if uh, this next year goes horribly, horribly wrong. So, probably not happening. Austin, next, Akita Narose. 
Said he loves stupid questions. He didn't neurose. Like Norris. <laughs> Norose, there you go. Uh, said he loves stupid questions. What's the funniest question you've asked in an interview? The funniest question I've asked in an interview. Ooh. Funniest question I've asked in an interview? Funniest. I can't think of the funniest. Or just like or like dumbest question, stupidest question I've asked. <laughs> I mean, I can't think honestly, I can't think of anything off the bat where it was like really stupid on air that turned out to be an embarrassing moment. I can we can peel back the curtain on something though we did with we had a discussion with Adam Oates remember yes last year and you know he was working he was working with uh, Bo Horvat and right? Luke Shen. he had worked with Luke Shen and um, one of the things I asked them was hey you know you're a coach but you're not working with any teams does it ever get like is there ever any politics to get a deal with when it comes to like the things you talk to him about versus like how the team wants guys to play or anything like that is there ever like any in terms of the discussions and he gave a great answer and it was fine and then after the interview when we hung up he's like the question you asked yeah about about that he's like i get why you asked it but it's a really stupid question because like why wouldn't that like of course i'm not gonna do anything that's gonna piss off the other team like why would people even ask that it's stupid (laughs) i get why you're asking it, but it's a really stupid question yeah so Maybe that's a dumbest question. And it wasn't a dumb question. No, I don't think it was a dumb question. But that was his answer to it. Um, Off the record, which is now on the record. I feel like sometimes asking stupid questions can be underrated because you don't know the type of answer you might get. Now, I'm not really that guy that's going to ask a stupid question blatantly to try and get an unexpected or to get a rise out of a player like that or coach or whatever it might be. But, yeah, I I, – I try to be a goldfish when it comes to stupid questions. So uh, the ones that I have asked in the past, and I'm sure there are many, they uh, they get locked away in a bin where I, I try not to remember them. <laughs> Last one. Justin and East Van. If money wasn't an issue, what summer hobby would you get into? Ooh. <laughs> so. <laughs> what summer hobby would I get into? I'd just play golf every day. Yeah. <laughs> you would you do that. Yeah. What, would, what summer hobby would I get into? Like, I'd try to become a, a the best golfer I could be. Yeah, I would I, buy I, all the, yeah. the good stuff. And I'd get, like, the fanciest range finders yeah. and golf you'd, watches. and Pro Bs. Yeah, you day. would. You would. And, okay, so this is this might surprise you given uh, what we meant, talked about yesterday, but I would, I would love to get a really nice boat that I can go and fish with. Ooh. That's what I would do. Like, nice. Can we go uh, catch some crabs? Go to crabs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna catch the crab so Josh doesn't. <laughs> no catching crabs. Doesn't need to catch any crabs. Uh, no, I, I don't know about. I mean, crabs are fun to catch. Now, I told you, I'm terrified of the ocean. Like, I don't want to swim in the ocean. Yeah. But man, like, you guys I don't in your like, like fear of the ocean. It's I don't want to like... swim in the ocean. Did you guys? Why? Did you guys look up coconut crabs after <laughs> I asked you to? No, should I look them up right now? Look no. them up right now. What is a co- I don't even know what a coconut crab is. You're going to be frightened. Is this going to make me like not want to Oh, look at this cute eat thing. Crab? Oh, you're looking at hermit crab. Oh, Scroll no, this thing is massive. There. Yeah. This is big as a garbage can. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. Yeah, that's that's pretty scary. That's say. a coconut crab? Yeah. Well, they could probably eat a coconut. Okay, like, that's coconut. Yeah, that that guy's kind of frightening. Sure. Yeah, but I mean I, I mean again, like I I don't mind catching things. I just don't want to be swimming with them. There's a conspiracy that uh, Amelia Earhart, when she crashed, she got eaten by coconut crabs. Oh. How, how would people know that? I don't know. I think the <laughs> I think they fe- I don't know. 
I think they found the plane on whatever island it was, and that island had a lot of coconut. Like infested with coconut crabs, yeah, yeah. and they attack people. Well, I it might have been like, hey, she died because she starved or whatever, and then, or, and then they or, ate her afterwards. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's probably what happened. Who's I would to say? say. Who's to say what happened first? But regardless, <laughs> coconut crab. Is it a chicken or the egg? We don't know. <laughs> But you uh, would you would get into boating. That's yeah, I mean yeah, boating to go fishing. Yeah, be get a nice boat and go fishing because it's like nothing is more serene than being out in the ocean and fishing. Yeah, uh, I just can't believe you guys are frightened of the ocean. It's so good swimming in the ocean. The salt water is like no, good, good for you and all this I, stuff. I'm good. I'm I, in the I'm dark ocean. fine if I'm up to if I can touch the sand. Yeah, exactly. Fine. Can I feel my feet on the ground on the earth? Yeah. I have gone like out when I was in Hawaii. You do like a boat trip and yeah. you go out to see dolphins or whatever. That's fine. But I don't know. There, there's. But you're not like so jumping off the boat and swimming in it. Yeah, yeah. Unless I can, I know what's down. There. I yeah. did it in Capri and it was pretty nice. So, not gonna lie. You jump off the boat, have a little swim. Water's great. If it's clear water, like if it's like nice Caribbean clear water, and I don't see any like fish around, like then maybe. <laughs> but like I, I saw this video. I don't know if it was true or not. Like in in like Egypt, like of a shark attack and stuff like that. I'm like I'm good. Like I don't want to. <laughs> Like why 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 would I want to risk this? Like I don't need this. I don't need this. I don't need this. That's Watson start Shark Week. He's like, I'm never going swimming in the ocean. I'm nope. Good. Nope. All right. All right. I'm getting too old, man. Also, while why I will never go to Australia. And now too like sharks? orcas are well, like, attacking every... boats and stuff. But like, good on orcas. Yeah. Take back the ocean. <laughs> orcas are so cool, man. Uh, they're terrifying too. Yes, but yeah. Free Willy was a great movie back in the day. Oh, sad. It's my favorite movie. Yeah. When I was a kid. <laughs> I mean, it's sad, especially when you look back now. That like they used a captive orca, yeah, for the acting and everything. Mm. Yeah. Six-year-old Josh wasn't. Uh, <laughs> no, I wasn't thinking about, about those things, right? <laughs> uh, all right, it's Dan Richo, Sad T.R. Shaw. Uh, this was uh, the final mailbag of the season. Again, we'll be back for any emergency podcasts should the Canucks do something big over the course of the off season. We'll still be on the station at different points through the course of the summer as well. But uh, Canuck Central, the show on a regular basis, will not be back until after Labor Day. So appreciate all of you and all of the uh, texts, the calls on the postgame show, and all of you listening, we appreciate you. All the time. Yeah, man. Honestly, it's, it's been a great year. And like we said to Harm, make the playoffs next year. Because <laughs> if we can have a playoff run to talk about and have yes. a playoff series to discuss, I just think it'll lift the spirits of yeah. the city. And I think the fan base in general needs something positive to build on. Like, Can we get through the season and even the biggest detractors and pessimists who have a lot to be pessimistic about over the years following this team, can they look at the season and say, hey, they made the playoffs and you know what? They may have a chance. Mm. They may have a chance to build on this potentially. Well, they played at a hundred point pace with Rick Tockett. Forget about all that. You got to start <laughs> next season. Like I don't, I don't want to hear about that last year anymore. So next season, I don't we're care st- what point pace they no. were playing on. You remember the Boudreaux thing? I don't care. Like so, when we begin the next season, yeah, no talks about end the year last year. Okay. Like you know, this is how they play. This is how they're going to carry it over. None. It's, it's about the new season. How are you acting? How are you behaving today? And we're going to keep tra- tabs on who comes to town early. Yeah. If you get here late, we're going to roast you. <laughs> I'm sure Rick Tockett <laughs> might roast you as well. Uh, it's Dan Richo, Sad T.R. Shaw. You're listening to Canuck Central.